This is Darrell Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 494949. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobster, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. What's going on, BTM Tribe? DeRay Olalaye here and welcome, welcome back to another installment of the Before the Millions podcast, the podcast dedicated to lifestyle design through real estate. On today's show, guys, we're speaking with Mr. Dr. Buck Joffrey. Now, Buck is a longstanding medical doctor, and he started out in neuro. He started out as a brain surgeon, then moved to plastics, which is uh, cosmetic surgery. And then he decided to become a real estate investor. He realized that it didn't matter how much money he was making actively. He wanted to, to make more passive streams of income so that he can go on and do the things that he truly loves. And, you know, it's a profound testament to the fact that you can make as much money as you want. That doesn't bring you happiness. What actually brings you happiness is the things that you're able to do for yourself, for your family, for your loved ones, for the people that need your help, for everybody around the world. And when you're able to free up your time instead of focused on making active income, when you're able to free up your time and get some passive income in your life, that's when things really change. And Buck realized that as a medical doctor, and he was like, I need to make a change. I need to figure out how to completely revamp what I'm doing so that I am happy and I'm fulfilled. And through that process, Buck has came up with what he likes to call the wealth formula. And this formula is going to lay out exactly what people need to, to kind of start creating wealth for themselves. And, you know, on the episode, we talk about the difference between being wealthy and how quickly you can start being wealthy now and uh, being rich, which is a facade. So we'll get to all the good stuff. But really, really quick, let's get to the tip of the week. DeRay's tip of the week. If you're not already connecting with us and like-minded individuals in the space of real estate investing, in the space of lifestyle design, in the space of entrepreneurship, online business, please go to the website, go to beforethemillions.com, check us out, subscribe to the newsletter. Every single week, we'll be giving you guys strategies, tips, and tricks for you guys to live a more fulfilling, better, and passive cash flow lifestyle. That's our goal. And, you know, besides the newsletter, there are many other resources that we have. I mean, have you guys joined our Facebook group? It's called the Passive Cashflow Lifestyle Group. And in this group, again, there are going to be like-minded individuals in there dishing out their best advice, tips, tricks, and strategies. And not only that, but there are going to be people in there that you can help as well. I mean, this is a lift as we climb group. So we're connecting all types of people. I mean, the networking in there is crazy. Now, the only thing that we're missing is you. So 
visit beforethemillions.com slash group. That's beforethemillions.com slash group and join our Facebook group. So in this group, we're going to have Q&As. We're going to have giveaways. We're going to go live. We're going to do little mini workshops. I mean, there's a lot that's supposed to be going on in this group. So if you haven't already joined, uh, visit beforethemillions.com slash group and join our tribe today. That's all we got for you guys. Let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. We're talking to the, the creator of the wealth formula. We're talking to the man himself, Mr. Buck Joffrey. Buck, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me. We're going to take it back first. We're going to take it back. We're going to learn a little bit about you. We're going to learn about your growing up. But first, give us a, maybe a 20-second spiel on who you are and what you currently do today. Well, yeah, that's, that's hard to do in 20 seconds, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a board-certified surgeon by training, but uh, you know, I finished my training back in 2008. Went from surgeon to entrepreneur really quickly and pivoted into professional investing. Now I'm a podcaster, financial educator and of Wealth Formula podcast and basically teaching high paid professionals how the secrets of the uh, ultra wealthy and, and how to get there. So, so Buck, let's take it back. I mean, you're, you're a surgeon, you're a real estate investor, you're a teacher, you're a podcaster. Th- these aren't things that you just kind of woke up one day and said, hey, I'm going to do all four of these things and I'm going to excel greatly at these things. I mean, you started from somewhere. Start with your roots. Maybe take it back to college and, or, or maybe even earlier than that. But let's take it back to back in the day and tell us about your mindset. Tell us where you were. Tell us how you even decided to become a, a board certified surgeon, which I think is amazing. And, and kind of what got you off of that path? Well, I mean, I think it, in college, a lot of people want to go med school and that was kind of my path and got good grades and decided to go to med school. And when I got to med school, I decided what I wanted to do. And at that time, I was pretty much just about, you know, what, what sounds the best and all that. So I, I initially became a, you know, I became a brain surgeon. So that's what I started out doing you know, switch training programs a little bit so that I could, you know, get, get a little bit more of a lifestyle. I ended up in plastics. Finished my training back in 2008, 2009. And at that point, I uh, had been, you know, I was 33, 34 years old, had been in school for an awful long time and ran into a purple book called The Cashflow Quadrant for Robert Kiyosaki. Sort of changed my entire outlook on life, et cetera. Became an entrepreneur started, you know, multiple businesses at that point was uh, found a lot of some ability in that. You know, I don't practice medicine anymore. So now I'm a full-time entrepreneur and, you know, what I consider a professional investor and financial educator. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, the long story, but in terms of, or that's a short version, but, you know, ultimately I think the mindset change was from being uh, a guy who just really valued the idea of titles and people looking at me thinking, wow, that's cool, you're a brain surgeon. And at one point, uh, just realizing that, hey, this is, this is great. And it's actually, I really enjoyed being a surgeon, but it really wasn't where my heart was. My heart was really just everything else that was related to entrepreneurship and, in, and making money. And not because, just because of the idea of the money, but to me, it was like gain, right? It was like sort of you know, for an entrepreneur, you what you find is that making money is how you keep score, right? And so really the idea for me was, you know, what are the different ways that I can sort of unlock these, this puzzle? How can I, how can I solve this puzzle in so many different ways? And the more money I made, it meant that I was winning the game. <laughs> so that was it. 
I love that. I love that. And, you know, really quickly in your story, I can already tell some of the telltale signs that you were definitely leaning towards entrepreneurism or even just kind of getting your time back. So, you know, you, didn't, you really didn't start on your entrepreneurial journey until the age of 33, 34. And you went from neuro to plastics because I believe that it was a, it was a little bit more of a time commitment than you had liked or that, or that you had hoped. You were looking for a slight change in perhaps maybe freedom of time. And I kind of want you to go into that a little bit more because from that change, you went on to make an even more drastic change into real estate investing. So these changes are, are, are happening over time and they're happening subtly, but they're kind of all the same exact type of change in which you're getting closer and closer to the type of life that you want to live. So what made the jump from neuro to plastics and, and how were you able to kind of do, do that? Well, the, the mechanics of it's kind of uh, complicated to actually to make that move. But I mean, I, I got lucky. I was able to make that move and for me, again, that was really a lifestyle decision. I wanted to have a lifestyle. I mean, that was part of the issue. And and so I think the, the plastics decision actually opened up some doors for me on the entrepreneurial side because you could be entrepreneurial being a cosmetic surgeon. And so that was my first business. I think the one thing, though, that I will point out, I think it's important is that the whole idea behind investing and passive cash flow that a lot of people talk about is opening up time, right? It's, it's about creating time to do what you want. But what you'll find is that the most successful people out there actually really love what they do. So even though that they could just kind of get up and walk away and play golf all the time, they don't do it. That's certainly the case with me. You know, I've gotten to a point where my investments could certainly just pay for me to play golf all the time and do nothing else. And, and I'm not less than a decade out from training, but I, I would never do that because to me, the idea of retirement as people think about it as playing golf or whatever recreation, et cetera, is equivalent to death. I mean, you know, you're either, it's just waiting to die. To me, the, the real excitement is when you can do something that you really, really want to do that gets you up in the morning that makes you really excited and you would do it you want to do it forever. And and that's the goal, right? It's yeah, not yeah. just time. It's time well spent. It's having a mission and living a mission. That's really what it's all about. So, so I think the challenge is that like, I think, you know, a lot of people get in this mindset that the real purpose is just to you know, be able to have more time to relax. And I think that's true. But I think what you'll find is that most successful people are really just driven to use their time in ways that they want to. And it's just for to work harder and more because that's what they love to do. So yeah, for sure. I love the the kind of spin you put on that. And, and you're, you're so right. You know, I used to tell my friends that that I had this vision of, of being financially free, being wealthy by 28 and, and, and retiring and people would think I was crazy. And you know, just just because of that mindset of, of knowing that, hey, if you retire, you're playing golf all day, you're literally doing nothing, there's no fulfillment, there's nothing there. And my definition of retirement was so much different. It was, it's more so aligned with gears. You know, retiring to me is no longer pushing the needle forward on somebody else's business. It's no longer doing things that I, know, that I don't love or things that, that don't fulfill me. Now, of course, we need, we need to make money. We need to, we need to make a living. We need to provide for ourselves and our family and people around us. But if you can do that 
If you can do that, doing something that you're passionate about, doing something that you love, then it's not really work. You know, me podcasting is not work. Me investing in real estate is not work. Me teaching, coaching students, that's not work. It's something that, that'll fulfill me. You know, I've been podcasting far before I ever started making any type of money in the space. And it was just something because I knew that I would network, but I also knew that I would help so many people in the space. So I love that you put that spin on things. So when I tell people I'm going to retire by the time I'm 28, that's just a shift in mindset as far as what I'm doing and how I'm going about my life. And I think that's that same shift that you had. So you went from neuro to plastics and then you kind of got a taste of the entrepreneurial per se bug. And at the age of 33, 34, you discovered, or maybe even before this, but you kind of discovered the ways that you can create passive cash flow because before even even though you you were more lifestyle oriented when you when you switched from neuro to plastics you still didn't have a stream of passive cash flow to be able to kind of live the life that you've always wanted and kind of doing the things that, you, that you're doing now so what got you to start thinking about making your money from a different quadrant yeah i mean ultimately really what it comes down to is the way people think about investing from conventional financial wisdom really is just putting their money into stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And the, the idea is fundamentally to, to fill up this jug of water and, and then one day decide you want to stop working and then drink from that jug of water and hopefully and hope not to, you know, hope to die of something else before you die of thirst. That's the approach that a conventional financial wisdom is. And, you know, obviously the passive approach is you're not, in that case, you're not buying stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. What you're really doing is buying income right? I mean, that's, that's really what it is, whether it's completely passive or not, because that, that passive word is thrown around a lot. But there's a lot of income out there that doesn't take a lot of time that, you know, that's really what you're shooting for, right? I mean, that's really what you're shooting for is you're shooting for to buy streams of income. And, and that's what you do with your money. So the reality is that in order to get there, though, you do have to make more money. I mean, that's part of what I call the wealth formula. And I think Sometimes when you listen to a real estate show or a passive investing show, that part is left out. And I think it's important to remember that if you want to get passive income, you have to start with a lot more. (laughs) And you can't just get passive income. You have to buy the income stream in the first place, and that requires money. So in the short term, you may have to work harder. You may have to put in more hours. You may have to, you know, try things in entrepreneurship to increase increase the whole, you know, the, the amount of money that you can put into those things. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think it's just a different way of thinking, right? I mean, I don't, I don't buy stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. I buy income. That's what I do. But let me ask you this. What, ma- what made you different? What made you stand apart? I mean, there are many surgeons out there. There are many doctors out there. There are many people in the medical space or there are many professionals out there in general. What was it about your situation that got you thinking this way? I mean, again, you have friends that are probably still surgeons and don't have any passive investments. Like, so what, what was it for you? For me, a couple things. First, you know, my dad, uh, my dad's been a real estate investor for over 50 years. And I'd never really paid attention to what he was doing because he was more of a landlord and I didn't like the idea of being a landlord, so I had no interest in it. But I think that and the combination of, of, I think, I mean, I really do credit Robert Kiyosaki and his work for a lot of my mindset shift. You know, Robert's been on my show as well. That, that combination of my dad and, you know, the rich dad, so to speak, I think really helped me to you know, kind of shift the way I was thinking. I think sometimes you, you grow up at thinking certain things. And in my case, I actually was not raised in a family to, that 
was heavily invested in conventional financial products. So it made it easier for me to, to shift, right? It, it made it easier for me to go a different route and actually use my head instead of dogma. So I think that's probably it. What was your first investment property book? Take us to that, to that property. Tell us about it. First one, I did everything wrong. I, I read Ken McElroy's books uh, and, Kenny, uh, and from ABC's Real Estate and Kenny's, Kenny's great, right? I mean, he's, he's a genius and you know, I consider him a friend now. And, and basically, I learned real estate from, from him by reading ABC's Real Estate and then you know, the advanced book of real estate. And you know, he gets all the numbers all you need for real estate in those books. So I just consider myself a really smart guy. So I just took what the book said and I just went to LoopNet, bought some real estate bought like a 14 unit building and I did everything wrong. I didn't, I didn't look for a property manager first. I didn't really consider the area. I didn't have a very good broker for that area. I, I did everything wrong and lost a lot of money. And I think, I think that, I mean, the truth of the matter is that sometimes things don't go as perfectly as you think. And, and the lesson of that was, for me was that sometimes there's a lot more to it than numbers. And you know, that was a $300,000 mistake. And it was a very expensive education. But then, you know, I've never really lost money in real estate since then. So, so I think that's an important, important distinction, Buck. Now, lots of people, they're fearful of failing. They're fearful of getting into real estate. They're fearful of any investment vehicle. And I think that we're, we're investing all day, every day, whether we're actually investing in investments or we're spending our money on liabilities, whatever it is. I mean, you're making an investment at work eight hours a day into somebody else's, you know, well-being while you're being taxed at 50%, whatever the case may be, we're always investing. So if you choose to stick, stay on the sidelines, then you're taking more of a risk than the real estate investor. So, but you had this $300,000 loss. Would you take that back today? Would you, would you go back in the, in, in the history books and try to erase that loss and try to do things a different way? Or would you accept that loss, know that that loss was beneficial, if not vital to your success, uh, to, to the success of your future? What would you do? Well, so here's the thing is that I think there's the, you know, everybody talks about how you got to make mistakes to learn. And I think that's true. You learn from mistakes. That's the best way to learn. But I will say this, that what I've discovered more and more over time is that you learn from mistakes, but they don't have to be your mistakes. And so to answer your question, if I had done things differently, I wouldn't have just read Ken's book. I probably would have really tried to get some kind of a mentor. I would have you know, really tried to do more than just do the math before I went into that. So I think, I think to answer your question, sometimes I think people, they are cheap when it comes to help, when it comes to financial education, when it comes to mentorship, and then they end up paying more by making the mistakes themselves. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of, a, you know, coaching, mentorship, courses, financial education, I spend hundreds of thousands of dollars per year on these kinds of things, masterminds, et cetera. And I always look at it as an investment because when I do things that way, when I leverage my tribe, I come out ahead. And regardless of what I spent, it ends up being an investment, not an expense. 
Yep. I love that. And we're, we're, we're so in alignment when it comes to coaching and, and everything you just said, it's amazing. And, you know, if, if listeners out there today can have that mindset shift when it comes to an investment, when it comes to a coach, when it comes to a mentor, you know, I think that first off, I think that a mastermind is the, is the single best way to accelerate your success, more success than you could have had, you know, for the next five, 10, 15 years, all in probably less than a year. A, a mastermind is that powerful. But when it comes to coaching, you know, and when it comes to failing and, and leveraging other people's failures, not only that, leveraging their successes, leveraging their connections, possibly even leveraging their money, it's second to none. So when people talk about the high prices of coaches, you know, I think you're a coach and I'm a coach as well. When people talk about coaching and they talk about how it's daunting and how it sometimes it, I used to be a proponent of coaching makes no sense. Why would I pay a coach all this money when I can go out and figure it out on my own? There are millions of books, there are millions of podcasts. Why not just figure it out? And what I've found to be true is that when you take all these podcasts, when you take all these books and you kind of put them together and create what you deem to be a nice, formidable path, a formula, it ends up not working. And the reason that it doesn't work is because you're trying a system for the first time that nobody's ever done because you've taken all these pieces from all these different people. So when it comes to coaching, I think that people should find a mentor. People should find somebody who's doing exactly what they're looking to do and go and emulate what they're doing. Go and follow a proven path. Go and follow a proven coach. Because again, if you would have done that with your first investment property, you may not have lost $300,000. You get what I'm saying? So I think that that's super, super important. So I'm glad that you touched on that book. So let's maybe fast forward a little bit down your entrepreneurial journey and talk about the fact that you started a few businesses. I mean, you're, you're a real estate investor. You, you started off as a surgeon. Now you're a real estate investor. You're an author. You're a podcaster. Why did you decide to branch out and start reaching and start, start giving back, start helping others? Because I mean, you could have kind of kept all the wealth for yourself per se. Why did you decide to start reaching back out and helping other people kind of achieve the same success? That you've achieved? I think at the end of the day, you have to do what you get excited about, right? And for me, entrepreneurship, investing, whether that's in real estate or other assets or just financial education is, is what I really enjoy doing. So the easiest thing in the world for me to do is to teach other people about it because I enjoy it. And when other people like learning about it, I love teaching them. So I don't know that it was necessarily a, it was necessarily all that altruistic. I mean, I think it turns out that way because I'm helping people. But the truth of the matter is I'm doing this because this is what I enjoy doing on a day-to-day basis. I didn't like practicing medicine anymore. I mean, this is, to me, I'd be doing everything I'm doing right now, even without the podcast, without the financial education business. The difference is that um, I'm just sharing what I'm doing with other people and and it, it ends up benefiting others and it ends up being a business. So, so it works out. I mean, and, and, and to a certain extent, when you talk about retirement or you talk about what it's all meant, what it, what it all means, what you're all striving for, this is what you're trying to do, right? It's not, again, it's not playing golf. It's just being able to do what you want to do every day and really loving it and somehow you know, getting paid for it. You've come up with this formula called the wealth formula, and you've talked about this formula on NBC, on, on CBS, on Fox, on ABC, but now it's time to talk about this formula to the Before the Millions listeners. What is the wealth formula? And we can kind of dive into some of the intricacies of this formula in a little bit, but first, what's an what's a overall view of the wealth formula? What is that? Well, wealth formula, there's, there's several things. First, I think of it as there's a math equation that I, I talk about. Wealth is equal to the math behind it is, is simple. You multiply 
what I call mass, which is how much money you put into your investments. You multiply with that with velocity of money, how quickly your money turns over, and you multiply that with leverage, which is using other people's money, namely the bank usually, and you put those together. And if you look in all types of you know, wealth creation and the wealthiest people in the world, that is the math, right? Beyond that, there is a number of other things that are important because the math alone is never going to get to you. But I think fundamentally, the biggest thing that I emphasize again is tribe, tribal investing, which means investing and learning from people who you know, like, and trust, you know, not going at things alone. It's ultimately, it's a team sport. I think you mentioned you've got Tom Wheelwright coming up. Tom's, you know, Tom and ProVision are part of my, my tax team. And it's not just about how much you make, uh, but it's how much you keep, right? So these are all things that are really, really important. So you've got the math, that's basic, that's easy to master. And then it's about surrounding yourself with people who know what they're doing and learning from them and, and then implementing within an ecosystem that you can trust. And that ultimately is what the Wealth Formula is all about, what Wealth Formula the whole brand and, and my podcast are all about. Amazing. So let's talk to a first-time investor looking to get into their first deal. And you talk about actually having the capital, actually being able to, to be an investor, actually being able to go out there and source deals and things of this nature. And maybe we'll, we'll kind of skip that point, unless you have some, some insight uh, on that, but maybe we'll kind of skip to the point to where we're talking to people who have the capital. We're talking to people who are who are looking to kind of take their money out of the stock market who are looking to maybe diversify and they're wanting to, to kind of follow your system and, and utilize the wealth formula. What's kind of the first step for them? Well, the practical thing to do at this point, it's a, I have a course. You can, you can check the landing page out for that at wealthformularoadmap.com because it's not in, you know, it's, it's a school of hard knocks that I've been through and, it, and ultimately that the course on there can get, get you a start. But I mean, the bottom line is to get started to be a high paid professional is a good, great place to start because, you know, one of the key pieces in that math that I talked about for the wealth formula is mass, right? Mass is, is critical. And that means how much money you can put into investments. Listen, at the end of the day, one of the major differences between the ultra wealthy and people who are in the middle class or poor is that middle class and poor don't have any money put in investments. So how are they going to grow their wealth when they don't have any money to grow? right? So how are you going to get passive income if you've got no money to buy income? And so when you're a high paid professional, you're doctor, lawyers, engineer, whatever, you've got that advantage, right? I mean, you're making more money than your typical person. You have more money to put in investments. So at that point, it's really about financial education. That's where you got to start. I cannot emphasize that enough. And I think the important thing there is to try to understand that and get away from dogmas the idea that the traditional means and conventional wisdom of investing in stock funds, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, you know, all these things are the creation of banks, the creation of the big banks from Wall Street. And, you know, that's, that's like the fox guarding the hen house, right? I mean, that's, they're making money off of you and they're the ones teaching you what you're supposed to do, right? So <laughs> at the end of the day, you have to figure out what the other approaches to the to investing are, because if you look at the wealthiest people in the world, you think, you think the Romneys and the Rothschilds are investing in mutual funds? Of course not, right? I mean, they're, they don't invest in mutual funds. Mutual funds were created to leach money off of the poor middle class. So if they aren't doing that, then 
if you want to be wealthy, you have to, you have to look at what the wealth you're doing and try to emulate them. I love that so much. And on this podcast, we like to talk about the difference between being wealthy and being rich. Now, my my personal definition for being wealthy and what I like to what I like to talk about is I like to look at things from the aspect of most people, they try to save all this money in their 401k and hopefully by 59 and a half, they're able to take this large sum, half a million dollars, a million dollars, whatever it is, and kind of live off that for the rest of their life, which I have many prejudices against that. But what we like to do to, to kind of help people in the 21st century, because I mean, it's all about instant gratification. What we like to do here is we like to show people that it may take a while for a lot of people to be rich, especially using conventional methods, but to be wealthy doesn't take a whole lot of time if you know what you're doing, because it's, it's more so a shift in your thought process. And once you shift your thought process, you can kind of shift where your income comes from. Because if you can find a way to make $5,000, $20,000 a month of passive cash flow, then quite frankly, by my definition of wealth, which is how many days in advance you can live, you can take care of yourself and your family without having to, to actively go and, and do deals or without actively looking for cash, that, that's, that's wealth. So if you have $5,000 a month in passive cash flow continuously every single month for the rest of your life, I think that you're wealthy. I think that you're afforded with a lifestyle that most people aren't. I mean, you can take that same person who's making four times as much money, but who's working 80 hours a week and who's giving half of their paycheck to the government. And they're literally, you know, their health is declining because of all the hours that they're working. They, they literally have no type of lifestyle. It's literally about the dollars. But when you, when you talk about wealth, I think it's so much more than that. I think that when you can derive your, your cash, your cash flow from an asset that's passive and you can free yourself up, you can free your time up to do the things that you truly love to spend time with your family, to travel, maybe to, to be a, a full-time investor. I think that's where fulfillment lies. And that's when you know you're wealthy is when you're able to kind of switch your mindset from, you know, stacking up this big heap of cash and hopefully retiring one day to start investing in cash flowing assets now. Now I want to, I want to see where you lie there. So what do you think is, what would you say is the major difference between becoming wealthy and attempting to become rich? Well, Rich, I mean, I, I think rich is, is, you know, someone who's you know, like a professional athlete or something who's making a bunch of money every year. Wealthy to me is completely different. Wealth is, wealth is about, it's more a holistic meaning behind it too. It's, uh, if, if you're happy making 10 grand a month and it's coming to you pretty easily and you don't have to work to do it or whatever, then, I, then you're wealthy by, by my definition. The biggest thing for me though, is I think the one layer on top of that is as someone who has, achieve that already to the, the extent where I don't have to work is that once you get there, you get pretty bored pretty quickly if, if, you, if you don't have something else there. And that's a mission, a mission, and, and that's meaning to what you're doing. Because at the end of the day, again, the vast majority of people, you get pretty bored and fat just sitting around playing golf all day. So you have to figure out what it is that you really want to do. And it has to be more than just leisure right? And it, it has to be like what your meaning in life is and what it is that you want to do. For me, it is, honestly, it's what I really enjoy doing is teaching. I really enjoy talking, you know, learning. And so that's what I get to do. And so I am living a mission. And for me, that's wealth. Now, certainly <laughs> net worth and all those things are all mathematical uh, ways of measuring it. But if you're able to live however you want, I mean, what else is there? Love it. Love it. So, but rounding out this round, and this has been super, super uh, amazing, informative and inspirational. And I know a lot of listeners have been able to take away from this conversation. So let's talk about retirement, but are you retired? Do you consider uh, yourself retired? 
no, I, I don't, I don't consider myself, re- I'm a retired from medicine, sure, but I don't think I'm ever retired. I don't think I ever will retire. I mean, a retire to me is just, I don't even understand the word. Really. <laughs> Here's the irony of it is the people I know who could easily retire will never retire. The people who want to retire will never retire. Mm. The issue is that if you're doing something that you love, that's really goal, right? Yeah. And whether you need the money or not, you're going to keep doing it. And that's what I mean by you're not going to retire. The ones who, the ones who really want to retire, it's going to be tough for them to do it because all they're going to do is what, what they're going to, they're going to, you know, just work until they're, you know, their knuckles are bleeding and, and, and then play golf. And I guess that's retirement, right? <laughs> retirement as people think of it is just waiting to die. I'm not interested. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? Cashflow Quadrant, Robert Kiyosaki. Love it, love it, love it. And listeners, you guys have heard that book plenty of times, so there's no need to go into an explanation for that. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Evernote. It's quickly, 10 seconds. What is Evernote? You can pretty much just file anything. You know, you can scan anything, you can file anything. I mean, it's, you know, it's just like a a brain on the go. (laughs) Love it. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I can do whatever I want. I mean, I I can work, I can not work. I can, you know, I'm going to leave in a minute to go pick up my daughter, (laughs) my my five-year-old from school early for ice cream. So that's... That's amazing. That's amazing. Those are the types of things I talk about uh, that I love the listeners to envision when they think about lifestyle design and being able to do stuff like that. So that's amazing. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? Robert Kiyosaki, because his ideas are simple, but they were profound for me. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Entrepreneurship is not easy, and but it's also the the way to get to the millions the quickest. So, you know, starting your own business as opposed to working for somebody else. To me, it was really appealing, but it was a little scary. So I was broke before I made a lot more money than, than my colleagues, for sure. So that having that instability and lack of security for a period of time was the sacrifice you have to, that I made. I love that. And like you said, I mean, it's not for everybody, but if you're for it, if you're for the ups and downs, then entrepreneurship is the bestest way to get there. And yes, I said bestest. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions? Inertia, right? I mean, you were trained in a financial educational system that uh, was designed before, was designed during the industrial revolution and they give you little pieces of information, uh, you know, just to, to take at each, you know, like a, if you think about like the way the factory works, right? Little thing here, a little nut bolt goes in right there, et cetera. And you're going along this conveyor belt and at the end of it, you spit out a product. Well, the problem is that a lot of people, they can go on to become high paid professionals or they can end up doing nothing at that point. But we're so programmed to have everybody else telling us what to do for so many years that when people are not telling us what to do, we can't think for ourselves anymore. And that's that's what happens. We're a nation of inertia. And if you look at a lot of immigrants that come from all over the world, you wonder why they're succeeding. Well, they're seeing an opportunity. They're seeing opportunity all, the, all around us and they're taking action. 
the problem with our system is it just inertia, it just drives that inertia into us. We're just waiting for someone else to tell us what to do. Oh my goodness. I love that so much, Buck. And this has been super insightful and your your knowledge has been one for the books. I know the listeners have gotten a lot of value out of this episode. I have as well. If anybody wants to connect with you, learn a little bit more about you, maybe even take your course, where can they find this information, Buck? Wealthformula.com is the website. Certainly Wealth Formula podcast you can find uh, all over iTunes, usual players. And then and then if you're interested in the course, you can, you know, certainly no pressure there. But if you want to check it out, uh, wealthformularoadmap.com, you can go check that out and, and sign up if you'd like. Love it. Love it. Well, we've covered a ton on this episode. Again, Buck, thank you so much. We now know the wealth formula to retirement. We now know how to not retire and do the things that we love. And we, we've learned a little bit about Buck along the way. So we thank you for the insight that you've provided us, Buck, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. 